God's given me something to give to you. I got quite a bit from God on vacation. Uh, we went to Colorado for a week, stayed in a home in Colorado, side of a mountain, 9,000 feet, slept at 9,000 feet. That's tough for me to do and have oxygen. But it was fine. Stayed there a week, went around looking different places, Colorado. Colorado still had 12 foot of snow in some places. They had snow, they were still skiing. They were still snow skiing in parts of Colorado. And interesting how the temperature can be so different, amen. But let me tell you, be of, be of good courage, you that live in South Florida. It's much cooler here than it is out west. It's much cooler here than it is up North Dakota. Bismarck's the coldest city in the United States, but they're having 101, 105. We were out fishing. I thought my head was going to explode. It's hot. And you can't get away from it. You say, well, it's a dry heat. It can be dry. It can be wet. It's hot. And it, it's, uh, I look temperature down here consistently 90 degrees, 85 degrees. And I call those people up there on a regular basis. I'll say, what's the temperature? Oh, 102. I say, well, it's 87 here. So I'll be honest with you, the rumor that Florida's hot is a lie. Florida's not hot. It's not hot. It's cool here. It's cool in Florida. I mean, what is it right in here? 72 degrees, thanks to Whaley. <laughs> I preached a while back on the symptoms of loving Jesus or loving God. I believe there are biblical symptoms to people who love God and love Jesus. Let me review uh, what those were. First of all, if you love God, you're sensitive to the desires of God. I love my wife. I'm married 50 years. If that doesn't prove it, nothing does. Amen. Been married 50 years, which was not easy for her. And um, I'm sensitive to her desires. Right, Kathy? Not as sensitive as I should be, but I'm sensitive to her desires. <laughs> if you love God, it makes sense that you'd be obedient. You'd want to do what he wanted you to do in a way that's pleasing him. It's pleasing him to want to do what he wants you to do. Obedience is not forced. It's natural. It should flow out of you. If you're forcing obedience, something's wrong. And that's what I'm going to try to help you today. The second, third thing is, if you, have, uh, if you love God, you're joyful in serving God. It's not a, oh, here we have to do this again. Now, that happens. Okay, there are days I get up here to preach that I've, I'm off my game, and it's, it's just I'm doing it on guts. There's days you run on guts. But most of the time, you're not. Most of the time, it's like I get to do this. I get to do this. The fourth thing is you're willing to suffer. I have suffered a lot for my wife. I'm willing to be her maintenance man for free. I, if, you, if you love God, you trust him. Makes sense. Uh, sixthly, you want to please him. Of course, that's part of that other part. Seventh thing is you endure discipline. 
if you love somebody, you're willing to take some discipline from them. And they love you. You know they love you. I, I knew my mom and dad loved me. But there were times it didn't look like that. When he was whooping on me um, for lying or doing different stuff, it didn't look like he loved me. But he loved me more then than any other time. Is that right? Aren't you glad your mom and dad disciplined you? Well, it's not much different with God. He loves you. You know he loves you. He gave himself for you. And he'll discipline you. He'll cause pain to come through your life. But in the midst of the pain, don't doubt his love. If you have symptoms of these seven symptoms, then you probably love God and have a love for God. But these are just symptoms. What I want to go over this morning are the rewards of loving God. Because not just do we do and, and respond in love to God, but he responds back to us. <coughs> Years ago, as I read through the Bible, I would notice these verses. It took me probably 30 years before the Holy Spirit allowed me to put the verses together, as I'm going to give you this morning, and, and kind of give you the accumulation of, of, of really a lifetime of reading the Bible and walking with God. I can kind of share these things with you. There's quite a few of them, and you're not going to remember them all, but I hope, by the grace of God, some of them impact you. Number one, let me talk about the rewards of loving Jesus. Okay, the symptoms of loving Jesus I just mentioned. But what are the rewards of loving God? Well, we see the first one, if you love Jesus or God, he will show you mercy. Exodus chapter 20, verse 6 says, And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me. Hello? Showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. It makes sense to me that God would show mercy to those who loved him. You do the same thing. If you've got a kid that don't love you, a kid that wants to hurt you and rip your heart out, it's hard to show them mercy. Really, they deserve justice, not mercy at that point. But when they're trying to do the right thing and want to do the right thing and you see them struggling to do the right thing, you, you would automatically out of your heart show them mercy. Give them a break. You know, he's trying. We, our teachers in school do that. They call it the curve. You know, the grade curve. If somebody's trying, you give them a little something for trying. A little something, a little mercy because they want to do the right thing. By the way, it looks like we may have all of our teachers. You know, we're two teachers short. And I believe we, we, this week we may have solidified on two teachers, which is a... That keeps me from getting gray hair, which I do not have. <laughs> so I hope that you know that if you love God, he's going to show mercy to you. Somebody that's out there doing their own thing, don't care a rip about God, it's pretty hard to go to him all of a sudden and say, God, have mercy on me. I've been to quite a few automobile accidents. I don't know why, but God has me oftentimes witness an automobile accident, head on, awful stuff. People in windshields, just, just, I've, I've seen people die, it's awful. I've held broken necks, listened to them gasp for prayer. You know, one thing is common in a bad auto accident, and this brother sees a lot of them over here. He's the EMS guy. God! 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 
I hear that a lot. People don't go to church. People don't read their Bible. People don't talk about God. All of a sudden when they smell the gasoline and they're pinned in the car and they hear the battery sparking, they start thinking about God. God! You'll think about God. There's going to be a time that you're going to call out to God. May it be now. May it be while you're healthy. May it be while you're young. May it be while you can. And not the time of some crisis. Don't wait to a crisis to call on God. Call on him now. Serve him now. Do his will now. There'll be a day you need his mercy and he'll give it to you. The second thing about those who who love God, a reward for them is if you love Jesus or God, he will love you personally. Proverbs 8, 17 says, "I I love them that love me. That makes sense, amen? I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. Now, everything I'm going to tell you today is not my opinion. It's right out of the Bible. It's black and white. We're Bible preaching church. We preach the Bible, the whole Bible, nothing but the Bible, so help us God. If anybody preaches anything but the Bible here, we throw them out and get some new, see somebody new. We preach the Bible. We believe the Bible is the word of God cover to cover, word for word, letter for letter. And so God initiates his love in Jesus for the world. He continues his love by sending the gospel to the world and he demonstrates his love to the person who truly turns to him in love. He'll demonstrate it. He'll love you. Isn't it wonderful to have God love you? Now, God loved loved me while I was yet a sinner. While I was still using his name in vain, he still loved me. But he loved me. Now I know he loves me. It's better now that I, I know him. It's beautiful, it's comforting, it's thrilling to know God loves you. The third thing I see, a reward that happens to them that that love God. If you love Jesus or God, you will inherit that which will never pass away. Now, I can't spend much time on these points, but man, there's a lot to each one of these. People spend their whole life to possess. We are of a nature to possess. You like to possess. I like to possess. It's of our nature. God also is a nature to possess. Uh, and we're in some degree, we're made in that image. And he, as he does, this is, he said, the world is mine. It is. Amen, it's his. And we work our whole lives to possess, but the, the saddest thing I see as I get old, or have I already gotten there? As I get old, as people give their whole life to possess that which they cannot keep. That hurts my feelings. Hurts my feelings to see see a guy give everything he's got for that which he cannot keep. And pretty soon he gets old. He has the big one. He has the widow maker and he's gone. And somebody else is sleeping in his bed and somebody else is driving his car and somebody else is, is shooting his guns. And somebody else is looking in his house. You know, there'll be a day that your shoes will be sitting there empty. I'll take my shoes off when I come in the house. I look at them. I say, someday those shoes, nobody's going to be here to put them on. How do I know that? I've been to houses that there's nobody there to put them on. You young people, this may seem far and distant, but it's not as distant as you think. 
just around a corner. Could be for anybody. But I remind you again this morning that God wants you to inherit something that's going to last and something you can keep. Proverbs 8.21, that I may cause those that love me, remember we're talking about those people who love God, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. You believe the word of God? It's true. It's true. I tell you, the older I get, the happier I'm getting. If I get any happier, my head may explode. You know why? I'm getting close to those things which he's laid up for me. I'm getting closer. I feel like Pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress. I can almost see the light of glory and I'm, I'm getting ready to get, get to go home, really home. It's beautiful. It's so wonderful, the Christian life. I'm so glad that at 18 years old, God allowed me to know him, whom to know is life everlasting, and allow him to, and, and, and let me get serious about it and, 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 and choose him and, and, and love on him and try to serve him. And, uh, and I'm 69 now, and about six months from 70. And, uh, and I'll tell you one thing, you will be glad you serve God when you get old. And all you old people said? Amen. Amen. You better, did you hear that? Mark chapter 9, verse 41 says, Whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. You believe it? It don't have to be big. Even small stuff like giving it, would you like, well, you come to my place and you're a born again Christian, I'm offering you water, buddy. It's selfish. I'm going to do it. Even if you don't want to drink it, I'm offering. You want some water? Oh, I just got a reward. You want another cup of water? How about a Pepsi? Oh, that is more. That's bad. <laughs> Mountain Dew? Ooh, you get a big reward there. I just believe God. I believe God. But be generous, man, while you can. There'll be a day you can't give anything away anymore. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. This may be the most profound verse of the whole Bible. I mean, you know, it's one of the most challenging verses. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. Get it. Let it sink down in your mind because the devil's out there flagging you to do all his stuff, which is a waste of your time and a waste of your effort and a waste of your energy. And God's saying, do my stuff, follow me. Follow me, and I'll give you something that lasts. Woo! People like Dr. Strange, man. Pastor Strange, my friend, Brother Strange. What a, what a privilege it has been to serve God. Amen, brother? I'm jealous of you being 78 years old, man. You're closer than I am. No, he may not be. But he's not far away. Amen. We've lost eight men in the last six months versus seven. Oh, I think eight. Now, people are in the gospel baptism dying like flies. You come today, you risk your life. <laughs> the fourth thing I see, if you love Jesus, 
You'll be preserved as a man is preserved, as a man preserves his most precious possessions. So when I go on vacation, I have certain, excuse me for having a runny nose. It's just part of our being old. When a, man has, when a man goes on vacation, he takes his most precious possessions and tries to secure them. Do you get that? Because if somebody breaks into my house while I'm gone, I don't want them to get my most precious stuff. Now, what would be my most precious stuff? Guns. <laughs> and so I make sure I, I got a, uh, you know, stuff. I'm not telling you in the world here where I put all this stuff, but I, I make sure it's secure. I hire people to come and visit my house to make sure it stays secure. I have somebody living on my premises in, in some degree to help stuff stay secure because I'm trying to protect my most precious possessions. Well, that's not so strange. Psalm 145, verse 20 said, the Lord preserveth all them that love him. God's preserving me because I'm one of his precious possessions. He bought me with his blood. Are you, bought, are you blood bought this morning by the, by the faith in Jesus Christ, God's son? Then you're one of God's possessions. You're his. He owns you. He paid for you. You're bought with the price. And so we serve him. The fact that God, I, lately, the Holy, lately the Holy Spirit's been reviewing with me times when he preserved me. I'm trying to develop a message on it, but I'm not sure I'm able to. There are, things have come to my mind that I haven't thought about in 40, 45, 50 years. When I was 17, 16, he saved me from near death. He saved me from bad women, which is like near death. He preserved me from girls that wanted to pollute me and misuse me. And as a man, you know, as you don't, I, I mean, I had girls try to corrupt me, and I said no. And I mean, many men say no to that stuff. But it was just, I knew it was, I knew it was the devil trying to destroy. God had called me to preach at 10 years old. And God's hand from that point on kept, Stopping this from happening and stopping that from happening and stopping this from happening and stopping this from happening and making that. And I'm telling you, it's as clear now to me as, as it ever has been as I look back. God has brought me to this place. He preserveth them that love him. He literally preserves you. It's supernatural. You may not see it and you may not know it all, but he preserves you. Oh, I tell you what, you love God? You ever daydream about God? Uh, years ago, I went to Bob Jones University and, and they had a dating partner, a place where people dated under chaperone. And it would, my wife, we were married, and we would go up to the dating parlor just to see people Google-eye each other. I mean, I told, you know, I mean, they would, they would, they would, they would look at each other like, I can't even duplicate it. It was, it was uh, cow-eyed, they call it, Googling. Uh, oh, I'm so in love. I told my wife, we, we need that. 
it's just, it's really a one time of life thing. It passes and doesn't come back. But I tried, I tried to, I tried to look at that. Maybe it's catching, you know. I want to be so in love with Jesus that I daydream about him. That I think about him. That I, that I talk about him. That I sing about him. I sing about him. Oh, I like to, I'm not real good right now about singing, but maybe never, but I like to sing about him. Sing songs of Zion. I'm in love with God. And he's in love with me. He loved me before I loved him. The fifth thing, let me talk to you about. If you love Jesus, what he's gonna do, if you love Jesus, he'll manifest himself to you. Now, this may be the most important one. I want you to take your Bible to this. Um, I want you to at least keep this. John chapter 14, verse 21, 20, and 23, which is our text. John 14, 21, and 23. He that hath my commandments, you have his commandments, and keepeth them. See, the sign behind me, look at it. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and Say the last two words for me. Keep it. It doesn't do you any good to hang around Christians, to go to church, to have a Bible on the coffee table, Bible in the car, Bible in your pocket, Bible on your phone, if you don't keep it. Let's not fool ourselves. It doesn't do any good doesn't do me any good to tell my wife how faithful I am to her and how I love her and how wonderful she is if I step out on her. My actions are louder than my words. My, my walk talks louder than my talk talks. And God says, basically, he's just asking you what you ask of your wife or friend or anybody that would be loyal to you. Be faithful. Jesus, he says here, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them. Now look, look what, man, this is a definition. Look at the next few words. He it is that loveth me. Bingo. How simple the Bible is. How complex we want to make stuff. How, how fuzzy we want to make stuff. How gray we want to make stuff. And the Bible just washes away all that gray area, all that fuzzy junk, and just makes it as clear as crystal that I'll be honest with you, a fifth grader could understand what I'm talking about. He it is that loveth me. And because of that, that's what the rest of the verse is, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I love this part, and will manifest myself to him. People say, I feel like my walk with God is dry. I feel like he never touches me, never communicates with me. I just don't, could it be that you have his commandments, but you're not keeping them? The very first thing you need to do is be faithful at what you know. When we get judged before the judgment seat of Christ, uh, it's not gonna be for your sins. Those have been under the blood. You're going to get judged for the amount of light you have and what you've done with it. In other words, the opportunity you've had 
Everybody has different opportunity, right? I got the opportunity to go to college, Christian college, maybe you didn't, da-da-da-da-da. I got more response. You know, I get held higher uh, judgment level. But the point being that God's an honest judge. He's a fair judge. He's going to weigh your opportunity with the light, with the light you've had. What have you done with it? That's why it says some will reap 30-fold, some will reap 60-fold, some will reap 100-fold. We're not all going to reap the same. We're not all going to have the same reward because we're all different. We have different light, different opportunities. You with me on this? And so with the opportunity you have, what are you doing with it? That's going to be your judgment. It's the judgment seat of Christ. And that's going to be put in a big old pile. And the Bible says the fire of God's judgment is going to go through that. And what's left will be the gold, silver, precious stone. There was something that's permanent will be left. You did the will of God. You obeyed him. You kept his commandments. Those things will be left. And from that, you will be rewarded for eternity. All the other junk that was out of the will of God will be burned up and will be wasted. The Bible says there'll be suffering during that period of time. Some people's whole lives pretty much will be burned up. And the Bible says they'll suffer loss. But not the kind of loss we suffer here. Eternal loss cannot be compared to temporal loss. You cannot compare those two together. What it's talking about the judgment seat of Christ is eternal loss. That's way bigger than this temporal loss, amen? Hurricane comes through, wipes my house out, I build another one. Temporal loss. But eternal loss can't be brought back. And so it's important to watch it. Number six, if you love Jesus, a special crown of life is going to be given you. James chapter 1, verse 12, blessed is the man that endure temptation. That's trials and things. For when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised them that what? The last two words that verse, love him. Remember, this is the Bible. To them, James 1.12. To them that love him. I get a crown of life. I don't want a crown, but God says you're getting it. You say, well, I'm not doing this for a crown. You're getting it. I don't, I'm not doing this for a reward. You're getting it. I feel cheap when you try to tell me I'm serving God to get something back. Don't make any difference. You're getting it. Because when your wife has a birthday, what do you want to do? You want to give her something. I hope. And so it's so much fun to give. It's, it's more fun to give than receive. You believe that to be the Bible. It's so much fun to give. You can give stuff. Uh, like I was telling Wednesday night, I gave four little flaming lights told Brother Ernie Leonard, and I went back there two years later, and there's hundreds of flaming lights around the lake. You don't know that didn't thrill my soul. Now that gift of four went to be hundreds of flaming lights. Boy, it is beautiful. It's just absolutely beautiful to look at with your eye. I like that. Well, number seven, if you love Jesus, you'll be an heir of the kingdom, rich in faith. I think that's pretty good. James chapter 2, verse 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith? And that's true. And heirs of the kingdom. By far more people will be in heaven than rich people. It's hard to go to heaven being rich. Hard. Why? People with riches oftentimes trust their riches rather than trust God. You've got to trust God. 
But if you'll trust God, he'll save you even if you are rich. And he goes on, he says, uh, let me read it all again to give you context. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him. You guessed it, that love him. So when you love God, I get to be, oh, I wish I could sing right now. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where something, I can't remember the words right now, but anyways, now I know what the Calvary Quartet feels like. But I don't have three other guys singing the words so I can pick them up, say. I loved it when Jeff Larson joined the Calvary Quartet. He didn't know half the words, man. He got up here and he was just mouthing it. It was beautiful. That's been a miracle. And I just love that we were air. I just want to get excited but I'm trying not to lose my voice for tonight. We're heirs of the kingdom. Things are looking up. Things are, I remember, oh, there used to be an old false prophet, uh, Brother Ike. Anybody remember old Brother Ike? He was on the radio. He was a false prophet. He says, uh, you can't lose with the stuff we use. I mean, he was, he was just, uh, he was peddling, you know, good news for money. And, uh, but I used to listen to him once in a while because I thought, I just, I guess it humored me what he did. He said, you can't lose with the stuff we use. And I thought, man, that ain't too far from the truth. You, you love Jesus. You're not going to lose by the grace of God. You're, you're winning. You're on the winning side. There's been a song written about that. But also, you're heirs of the kingdom. Folks, if, I could, if, if God the Holy Spirit would let you see it, this is just the beginning. We had Brother Lloyd died, 90-year-old man died. It was just his beginning. Brother Bob Rose died recently. It's just his beginning. Brother Jerry Cox just died. It's just his beginning. These people are not gone. We're going where they're going. Uh, this is the womb. I, I preach a sermon on what I kind of compare life to as a womb experience. Brother Heather, man, she had a eight-pound baby in her womb, and she's kind of a skinny little thing. And them skinny girls carry all their baby right out front, right? I mean, she looked like she's going to explode. That kid was in there swimming around in the fluid, you know, all tight, everything. They come out ugly. <laughs> That's you and me. When you go to heaven... This world's going to appear to be almost like that womb. It'll be tight. It was, you know, tough, and it, you're going to you're going to get to go to the by the grace of God. Oh, Amen. Number eight. If you love Jesus, your wildest dreams and imaginations cannot describe what's in store for you. I'm not making this up. First Corinthians two nine. But it's written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has neither has entered the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. People want to, I, I like preachers when they want to take the power out of that verse and say, well, that's really talking about the, about the uh, crucifixion of Christ and the giving of Christ. So I believe that's part of it. But that's not all of it. I mean, the, in 1 Corinthians, there's an illustration Paul uses under the Holy Spirit to describe the resurrection. 
He said, a corn of wheat or a, a seed of wheat. From a seed of wheat, if you never saw a wheat plant, would you be able to tell me what that plant looked like from that seed? Not in a, not in a you don't have a chance. One grain of corn, if you've never seen a stalk, an eight-foot stalk of Indiana corn with five or six ears on it, if you've never seen that, and I showed you that yellow seed, would you be able, no matter, if I gave you 20 years, would you be able to guess for me what that plant that produced that seed looked like? That's the analogy of 1 Corinthians 15. You'll never be able to, in this side, describe really what God has prepared for them that love him. That's why I hadn't seen nor ear heard nor come into the entered into the mind of man. It cannot be. It's not comprehensible. You can't put your head around it. You're going to be surprised all the way there for maybe a hundred years what God has prepared for them. Let me tell you, you say, why is this important? Why is it in the Bible? Because it helps us in the dark times. You're going to have some dark times. Tonight I'm preaching. Don't miss tonight. Tonight God gave me that sermon uh, a couple weeks ago, and I've never preached on this subject before. It's a strange subject, but I believe it can help you, what I'm going to talk about tonight. And you're going to have some dark, hard times in this world. You're not probably going to escape it. And you're going to need these promises. When the devil's foul breath whispers in your ear, there is no God and he doesn't care. He's lying. Because this Bible says differently. Do you love God? Those are eight things that are going to happen to those that love God. Now let me finish with this. I want you this morning to come clean with yourself. You know, there's the worst person in the world to deceive is yourself. But the Bible says we can deceive ourselves. In fact, it warns about deceive not yourself. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you right now with the information you've heard and what you already know. I'm gonna ask you to come clean with yourself, not for my sake. Not for gospel Baptist's sake, but for your sake. Do you have to force yourself to come to church? Do you have to force yourself to read the Bible? Do you have to purposely force yourself to sing the songs of Zion? Do you almost never Share the gospel with people around you? Do you really honestly rarely pray other than now I lay my soul? Well, I don't even pray that prayer. You know, I don't even know it. Now I pray the Lord to keep. Or do you pray passionate, real communication with God? It's possible you don't love God. I didn't say you didn't know him. You know, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 23, a phenomenon takes place. People die, stand before Jesus, and they say, you know, we know you. They know Jesus. 
we've, we've done many mighty things in your name. We've done miracles in your name. We, we've, we've, we've done great things in your name. And he'll, Jesus is going to look at him and say, this is something you do not want to hear. I never knew you. It's not important so much, and get this right. It's not so important that you know him. It's more important he knows you. Now, when I mean no, I don't mean no, you exist. I mean know him, whom to know is life everlasting. Experiential, not intellectual. Most people know God intellectually, but they haven't, haven't spiritually known him with the heart. When I met Kathy Moore at 16 years old and got to know her some, I, I wanted to get to know her. So we got married. We got married. We made commitments. I don't give you two cents for somebody who won't make a commitment. Now you girls, if some boy wants to live with you, he's trash, get rid of him. Now if you're sitting here living together, don't walk out and get mad at me because I don't know it. But I'm telling you, if you won't commit your life to somebody, you don't really love them. And I got, I got with Kathy and I said, I'm willing to, to exclude every other woman in this world for you. And that is even when you get old. And isn't that what God wants of us? You call upon him. He wants to know you. He wants to have loyalty with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Marriage and being born again are illustrations put side by side in the Bible. Ephesians chapter five, look it up. If you haven't given more than pocket change to the local church, as a way of reaching the community for Christ, it may be that you really don't love God. If you listen to the world's music for pleasure and for peace and for entertainment, I heard somebody say about Michael Jackson's music, Michael Jackson's music saved me. I said they didn't know God. Because if you know God, you don't listen to Michael Jackson's music and get out of it what that girl said. How do I know that? The Holy Spirit and the spirit of the world are like this. They're not like this. They're like this. The Bible says the spirit of God wrestles with the, with the spirit of this world and with, with your old nature. They wrestle against each other. They're contrary one to another. And, and these questions are just honest questions to you this morning. I'm not trying to meddle but I think you need to have, you need to have a time of, of, of looking at yourself. Do I love God? Because you heard the eight things that God promised in the Bible for them that love him. And who wouldn't want those things? Who wouldn't want to be included in those things? Do you love God? Let's just say, you need to go to another level with God if some of these things are true. And you get right about it and ask God, you're, you're just a sentence away from getting where you need to be. Repent and believe. Repent means I changed my mind. I'm not, I'm not going to be that way anymore. And you say, well, how am I going to get to love God? How about first thing you do is get in prayer and say, God, I want to love you. Help me love you. You receive not because you ask not. Simply go to God and say, don't quit asking him to love him. Help me love you. 
Help me love you. Help me love you. Help me love you. Help me love you. You know, I still pray, Lord, help me love my wife. I still pray that. Help me love my wife. You believe something? Can you believe she's not lovable all the time? I pray, please, Lord, help me love Kathy all the way home. Help me love her all the way home. Help me love her when she's sick. Help me love her when she's gray, which will never happen. Help me love her. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Asking God to help you do what's right. Help me to have loyalty. I'm not a loyal person by nature. Nobody is. But I want to be loyal. I want to be true. I want to be where God wants me to be. So ask him. I believe God will answer that prayer a whole lot faster than he'll answer a lot of the other prayers you pray. May God help us to grow some, to look at his says. The Bible says we're supposed to review our life once in a while, you know, examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith, that kind of thing, and see where God is. I hope you love God. And boy, if you love God this morning, whoo, many good things are waiting us. Father, help us this morning. Bless these people. Thank you for their attentiveness. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.